Yeah, direct misfire, aiming up hits Bend some spoon and sell liquor in the mix Follow along, stay up to date Comment, like, subscribe today Hello champs and welcome once again to another Direct Misfire Missive. Joining me today as always is Selick. Hey hey. As well as Hugh. Howdy. As we talk Third Time Lucky and the Kings of War Masters for 2019, which our very own Hugh attended. So pull up a seat, grab a drink and let's get into it. But before we get into our main topics today, I'll just give you an update on the Cloud Giant Army progress. So we've just put uh, another poll up uh, for you to vote on. And so once we get the results of that, um, I'll compile it all, fill in the gaps with expected units, and it might be ready to give out to everyone by Festivus slash Christmas slash non-denominational gift giving day. Uh, so just stay tuned for that. But let's get into the, the entree before the main. <laughs> so we'll talk about Third Time Lucky, which is a... Was it Australia's? It was a recent third edition tournament run by Mike Crossman here in Victoria. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was a good little tourney. Three games, third edition. Yeah, more of an introductory type, so um, new player friendly. There was a few, quite a few new players. The times were a bit relaxed. Yep. So it's only a three game, yeah, which is fine by me. I like a three game tournament. Yeah, and it was designed to sort of help out new players to learn the game and those kinds of things to an extent as well. Uh, and facilitate uh, a bit of teaching and things like that, as well as um, the actual sort of competitive side of things. Mm. Yeah, and I think that that was largely successful as well. I think there was 26 people that ended up attending with a couple of late people dropping out. So that's really good news for Victoria. Yeah, a lot of them were new guys as well. There were some that um, hadn't played the game at all. I think there was probably about five who was, was their first games. So... Wow. Yeah. So you yourself and myself attended the tournament. You were taking the undead because Ratkin don't have a list out yet. Yes, much to my dismay, Ratkin are not yet released, so I've been forced to turn coat to the dead boys for a bit. And how did you find that? Yeah, not bad. It's not bad. I, I dug out some miniatures from 19 Dickety 2 that I had kicking around in the shed, from most of which I bought at the age of like 15 or so. Mm. I bought them from a couple of, like a mate of mine who had already painted a fair amount of them um, back when oh, it, the army was about a quarter of the size it is now. And I built it up over a few years back in the days of like Warhammer 5th, uh, not 5th, no, it can't be that old, I guess 6th edition, perhaps. Okay. And so I thought, hey, this is an excuse to dig it out of the shed. I can't play Ratkin. Uh, and frankly, it was a blessing in disguise because otherwise, I don't know when I ever would have done it. Mm-hmm. I rebased two thousand points worth of it, which was good fun. And by good fun, I mean horrible cramming <laughs> hobby <laughs> prior to the tournament kind of affair. But it took about three or four weeks to rebase them. I did it properly, you know. I got a I got a mausoleum set, painted that up to go. Well, Benson actually helped me paint that up. Helped out with some dry brush pigging for the day, splashing some mud on the bases and those kinds of things. I'd scattered a few flowers about and made it look all nice and pretty. And uh, they look vastly better as an army uh, once mm. they're rebased, to tell you what. And they're so much more fun to play. I just can't go back to single bases. <laughs> it's not going to fall off a hill now. Yeah. Prior to this event, I played a couple of practice games, my first two games of 3E against Mike Crossman, with them prior to them being multi-based. And in fact, this tournament that we're about to talk about, the uh, third edition number, that one was they weren't finished yet either. They were about half done. Mm. And man, it's so annoying. Every time they like bump a hill, they're all like 
super old metal spearmen and stuff, and they just stack it over, and it's just, <laughs> it's awkward, man. And you went undefeated in that tournament? Yep, yeah, I um, played a new guy in the first round, and we just did a learning game, so that one doesn't really count. Mm. But the, the other two games, I was able to get up. Both, you know, I'd say um, players of moderate experience that were that were good value, good fun opponents. How did you go experience-wise? I don't know what to go through each game bit by bit, but... Overall, the event was good fun. The goblins were fun. I could see with my list a few things that are lacking. Uh, certainly, they can't deal with flies very well. Mm-hmm. And I ended up... <laughs> it, it didn't seem like a fair matchup. I played Lucas, uh, a kid, I don't know, 12, 13. And we were playing... Uh, what is it? Scour? You can burn the objective tokens. Mm-hmm. And he started on them and didn't want to shift off them because they were objectives and then he just let me charge him because he didn't want to get off the objective to charge and you're like dude you should really like advance and get in fight and stuff he's like no 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 i'm on the objective yeah i suggested but no he was out of it can't fool me benson with your tricksy <laughs> tricks <laughs> so unfortunately i wiped him off he, he looked really bored too because he wasn't moving and wasn't rolling dice, so he was watching me move my dudes and roll dice and take his toys off. Yeah, it was one of the more awkward games I've seen on account of that, really. And there's there's no one to blame but the young lad for that, I think. Uh, I tried to help. <laughs> he's the youngest player I've seen play an event by quite a long way and probably um, perhaps was of an age where he, he needed dad around to help him out or mum or something just, to, just, just a year or to more and uh, of you know maturity and things, mm. I think he'll be kicking goals, no doubt. But yeah, for now, perhaps uh, not quite ready. Well, hopefully he enjoys his other games. <laughs> but then I ended up playing after that. Mister um, wins his own tournaments, Mike Crossman <laughs> against his Empire of Dust, which was difficult. I don't think I could have done much against that because it was invade. So I'm not going to push through his tightly knit regiment, 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 regiment idol and shooter horde army mm-hmm. so i try to just avoid by uh, denial point denial mm-hmm. and that's it i found that the winget sucks <laughs> it's just, just plain suck. yeah it does seem pretty ordinary to me too it, it's only good for catching objectives that aren't contested yeah and that's that's got some value though like it really does and uh because it's a reasonably low value target to attack i think it's going to fly onto some objectives like game. And if it gets you an objective, it was worth it. Yeah, but it just feels like I'm anti-playing. Like I'm just going to keep him behind a building until like the second last turn. Honestly, his grenades aren't that bad. You kept dissing his grenades. His grenades are fine. because like, kept missing. Like I attacked well, it's just because often you couldn't and miss and miss and miss. And then it does one damage <laughs> and then it, it gets healed back. I think, what, it, what is this guy doing? And then he charges a war machine and does fails to damage. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, sounds about right. Yeah, yeah. I didn't. I don't think I mentioned, but uh, the two practice games the, that I played against Crossman, he completely smashed me as well. But that's not particularly unusual. I mean, he kind of does that to everybody. So. Yeah, he invites us around to his house. He cooks us a nice dinner, gives us a couple of cans of Coke, wines and dines, and then <laughs> smashes you. But he's like, "Oh, do you want another game?" You're like, "Yeah, I guess." I'm so. a bit sore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <I know>. <laughs> <laughs> He played me with two completely different Chaos Dwarf army lists and uh, belted me three ways to Sunday with each of them. But it did give me uh, an opportunity to tune the list a little bit, such as the such as I was able to with the models available, which mm. was a limited degree to begin with. But yeah, I mean, um, he's he's a good opponent, but he yeah he's not gonna uh, he's not gonna be gentle. It's pretty funny in our time. game. He rolled Snake Eyes three times in a row, 
<laughs> in one turn. That's pretty bad. Yikes. It was it was late in the game, so it didn't really have that much of an impact, but it was still pretty funny. Spoon would have been proud. Did you experience the new devastated rules? No. I had Magwan Juus as a character. He managed to damage him enough to reach the route value, but not go over it and roll right. the double one then. I see. Okay, fair enough. Mm. Now, I still haven't experienced any units that have been devastated in 14, 13 or 14 games of uh, Third Ed so far. So, I think I've been lucky. I just haven't mm. been experiencing double ones, which is um, awesome because double ones can go jump in a lake. And now that it's been clarified that devastated goes away if you heal, if the, if the damage goes underneath the route value, mm. it kind of feels like it's less impactful now i don't think that matters that much like if you if you devastate something in turn three oh great so now that unit's kind of buggered for the rest of the game it's worth less it doesn't score as well and then they just mm. regen that back and pip back over so they're no longer devastated i think oh well yeah it's a cute trick but i feel like a lot of the time that's not going to be an option anyway it almost negates the whole point of devastated for double ones to try and lessen the severity of double ones it's only yeah. just for that counter charge. But then even if they got regen and they counter charge, then they could heal it back and then not be devastated again. True, I suppose it's possible. But again, we haven't seen it come up. Yeah, it's pretty situational. Anyway, uh, back to the tournament, if you if you will, real quick. I played a Gilbert in my second game and had a great game. It was one of the funnest games I've played of uh, 3E so far. He was playing Undead as well, and I got to see what Morgoth... The, <laughs> the no face Morgoth the oh, faceless I was going to say faithless and I'm like that's not right yeah that's he can have band. no faith he's, he's undead <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Morgoth uh, creamed me um, to a large degree uh, he sort of stood in the middle and just kept draining the crap out of me and my opponent and I were chatting about it afterwards with uh, good old Gilbert and uh, he was telling me that he reckons that Morgoth is actually not that worth it. And I tend to agree. I think in that particular matchup, he was really, really good because we had this slow undead grind in the middle mm. and he really turned that in his favor by being able to go like five damage to this and heal my werewolves up five, five damage mm. to this, heal my mummies up five, that kind of thing. So I was never going to win the grind in mainly, mainly because of Morgoth and his friends. But at the end of the day, he cost a shitload of points to fly around and often have a lower impact on the game, especially if it's more spread out than that and that kind of thing. Like, I don't think he's bad, but I think there's people fine, on the internet yeah. saying he's overpowered. And frankly, I think uh, that's not the case except for sort of maybe some very niche situations. Definitely match-up dependent. Yeah, sometimes I think so. Sometimes he'll do nothing and sometimes he'll be fine. Yeah, he's pretty versatile. But, I mean, if you just go in and wipe units off and just smash him then, and he's not getting that heal out of the drain life, then I feel like he can't really make up many points. Uh, he, is, he is quite hard to get the points out of because he can fly 20 and like if you're losing him, you're probably doing something pretty badly wrong. So he's a good points denial piece, but mm. but yeah. But anyway, that game was a great game. Really thoroughly enjoyed it. Really close grind uh, and ended up winning that one even though I was behind on attrition, which I think those are always really satisfying games. They like kind of feel like a draw, but you're like... Yeah, got up on the, <laughs> got up on the objective. Nailed it, you know. That, that's what, that always feels good. Uh, I ended up playing um, Jeff Holland against his Northern Alliance, and those bloody <laughs> their war machines are bent, hitting on fours with elite. They're just super accurate. Oh yeah, but they don't do as much damage as other war machines. I think a lot of people are finding war machines to be pretty nasty at the moment. Well, he's playing goblins and. Not great nerve unless you're taking hordes. And he's just being able to reliably plink damage and do nerve rolls and ends up taking a couple of units off 
even with just one, I tried to hide mm. my units as best I could, trying to limit the targets. But yeah, they just they do so much. And if you don't have a War Machine Hunter, it can be quite the problem. And, oh, oh, another complaint. Bloody ice golems <laughs> bent. <laughs> <laughs> the ice golems are good, yeah, but they've only got a 10-inch range, so they've got a pretty pretty huge weakness in that range. But if they if you do, I think against infantry, they're devastating because you stand in that range and they blow the crap out of you and slow you down so you can't charge them and they get another shot off, then like, yep. yeah, they're kind of mental at that point. But, but um, I was talking to Mike about this actually and saying that, because I, in my heart of hearts, I don't want to admit this to you, Benson, but I've been brewing with the uh, Northern Alliance a little bit because I really like the list. Then oh, that's fine. You're allowed to. And I was saying like, yeah, like a couple of hordes of ice golems and a couple of ice giants and heaps of that ice stuff seems really nasty. And Mike's like, yeah, but it costs a million points. So it doesn't have any unit strength and I'll just charge it with cavalry and kill it. And I'm like, eh, good point. Yeah. yeah, but he does that with everything. So <laughs> what's your point, Mike? <laughs> I guess my point is it it's not quite as as bend as it sounds, I think. But but I do think one unit of them with an ice switch nearby to heal them up because you can get so much heal on her is, is, is definitely really powerful, don't get me wrong. But I, I just don't think like spamming them is necessarily that good on paper. I just keep thinking, like comparing them to the Ogre Boomers and then like the over, over the Boomers, they get Defense 5 and can be healed a bunch and are fearless. Mm. True, true, true. Yeah, they're definitely tough, but they cost a shitload of points. They're like up in the 240, 250 range, same as like a unit of whites. I think it's 230. Uh, roughly. Uh, or yeah. like a equivalent sort of large infantry beat down kind of affair. There's any sort of large infantry hordes around 200 points, so an extra 30 points. I think they're grayish. Yeah, there's a few um, in third edition from a few different armies that are that are the large infantry in that 200 something range, like around mm. the 250 mark. That just seem like they're really, really powerful. Yeah, but other than that, I didn't have any problem with the Northern Alliance. Just those damn accurate war machines into the ice columns. I just love the idea of having all these beautiful ice bases yeah. that are like contrasted with this sort of brown furry look and having like humans, dwarves and elves in the same army. Like, I just really think that could look so cool. And that's very thematic, yeah. I love fur because you can dry brush the shit out of it and it's done. <laughs> I've discovered Morpops to be the, the greatest thing for goblins. Everyone should take Morpops if you're playing goblins. Yeah, Morpops are great. Only problem with Morpops, uh, if you're playing goblins, uh, here's a word from the wise, Get like a miniature or a token or something that you can use to represent your doggos. Yes. Make it super obvious to yourself so that when you charge in, because they're, they're actually compulsory to use it. Mm-hmm. And we, uh, at the, just before the Masters, we, we did a little ruling on this because it's compulsory to use it. So if you forget it, you've lost it. Mm-hmm. You don't get it again next combat. Or no, because that's sort of cheating. Yeah, because otherwise you can deliberately it. forget it, right? Yeah. And then, yeah, you're not allowed to save it. So, so make sure you don't forget them. Because I played a few Goblin players, and uh, on a cup, on I think every Goblin player I played, maybe not one, one of the lads. I played three Goblin players over the last few tournaments, Jeez, okay. and two, one of the lads remembered them when he had them, uh, but the other two spent quite a lot of points on them and kept forgetting them, which. For the most part, I probably would have reminded them, except I was also forgetting them because it wasn't. It's like you just don't remember. <laughs> it wasn't obvious. Yeah. Yeah, and you can even put them on like the spider rider regiments and stuff like that, which really increases their punch quite a bit. Cavalry, yeah, just a troop which has seven attacks normally give them a more puff at ten points, and you're almost doubling their attacks. But I reckon a regiment of them is pretty badass because you got a twenty inch moving unit strength three guy. That's pretty rad. Hmm. Yeah. Anyway. Like we can't stop going on mad tangents here, but <laughs> it's what it is, I guess. But great. that was a good, good first tournament. Uh, so mm. that was your 
That was your warm-up for the Masters because you were it was my that warm-up. Exact, exact list. I mean, the last round I played an ogre guy who that one that was a really fun one. He he wasn't an ogre. His army was ogres. To be clear, <laughs> um, he was a regular human being, but uh, he rolled like a total sponge. Poor bastard. Yeah, I watched he parts of that game so badly the whole game. But I didn't have any games like that at the Masters. I mean, where was that game at the Masters, man? He rolled shockingly, and I rolled really well, and I felt a bit. Need a five to take off a unit. Roll the four. Needed a three yeah. to take off a unit, double one. <laughs> yeah, that's it. And then in the next like seven tournament games I played, I didn't have any games where, where it was like that, even when it really counted. So I was like, man, bloody. Yeah. <laughs> <Wasted> <laughs> it all happens at the wrong time, time, man. <laughs> mm. So you went undefeated uh, in those three games and you finished seventh. Is that right? Uh, third, actually, as it turned out. Because, because of that dodgy first game. Uh, the first game, Mike called it a draw because we were just doing like a practice game or whatever. And then after the tournament, he got back to me and said, uh, I think perhaps calling it was a draw was a bit of a weird move. He just didn't know what to do because this bloke didn't turn up with an army. So, you know, that seems fair, right? But he ended up jacking it up to a minor win, okay. uh, like a 16-5 or whatever, yep. um, which put me on third, <laughs> which is fine for, like, who cares? It doesn't make any difference. There's no prize at those events or whatever anyway, but I guess just for... It adds to your next year's Masters rank. Indeed, I guess so. It counts towards <laughs> next year's Masters. Already got one on the board, baby. Hey. So, just just so that we can sort of summarise this all up, you qualified for Masters playing Rats pretty much all of 2019, yeah? Yeah, 100% of 2019. Just before masters they made the decision that they were going to play third edition which i think was the right decision actually yeah Yeah. and everyone sort of voted on it and we all went with that Mm -hmm. and so at that point that's when you had to swivel and start to use your undead that's right so talk me through some of the concerns i guess that you had initially because you hadn't played any second edition undead yeah well, my greatest concern was actually getting the models done in time. <laughs> so once I sort of committed enough time to get that out of the way, and as I said, Benson came and helped be my um, dry brush bitch for a, for a day on Sunday after the Mike tournament, which helped out a lot with um, getting the misc scenery and stuff together and just putting a few hours in each night and stuff. I was happy that I was going to get there. So then after that, it was mainly just learning my army because ultimately playing Kings of War it definitely helps to know your army really well and the better you know it like you can be a specialist in certain armies and stuff for sure which like undoubtedly i am in ratkin over any other army because it's all i play but you know still a lot of the fundamental rules of thumb and stuff still apply and once you learn your own units and what they do more or less you can still play to a similar standard really hmm. so i wasn't too uncomfortable but yeah undead play like completely differently to ratkin so they uh, significantly tougher for the most part. There's a lot of defense five, um, especially in my army list that I ended up taking um, mm. due again in part because of just model availability. I only had so much that was sort of painted and ready to be rebased and not sort of broken and dusty and whatever. So, um, you know, based on what I had at hand, almost the entire army had D5. There was one unit with defense four and one with defense six. So that's how sort of tough overall it was. Mm-hmm. And... You know, just a mixed bag of different things. Uh, so, sort of learning a lot of the different lists at once because it wasn't very specialized. And just play, trying to play a toolbox army, which is the kind of armies I tend to prefer to play anyway. And yeah, really enjoying it for the most part. So, including the three games that you played in uh, Third Time Lucky at that tournament, you played Mike Crossman a few times with the Undead as well? Yep, two against Crossman. And then I even got an extra practice game because I'm such a serious wargamer against Benson. Mm. 
uh, which was uh, was was a glorious game, wasn't it, Benton? It was okay. What do you mean it was okay? It was a teaching game. <laughs> teaching game, my foot. So he's avoiding the fact that we've played so many games of Kings of War together and I've never been able to beat him. We've had countless draws. He's won a lot of times as well. But I finally managed to defeat him with my brand new Undead Army. But you also have to... You have to mention the circumstances of your victory. So I was hitting hitting the source pretty hard. You could say that he was a little bit <laughs> inebriated, but uh, don't want to detract from my victory. I had just as much port as you. I'm just I was as much also of a yeah, but I'm quite a bit more <laughs> slight, and I focused it as a training exercise for yourself. So there were plenty of times mm-hmm, I was mm-hmm. um, giving you advice and talking things out as to hang on. You could probably do this manoeuvre better, or why did you do this, or what are you thinking about this? That's true, although admittedly most of that was after the writing was on the wall, you know. (laughs) 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 Yeah, so we had a little practice game as well, and yeah, Benson was um, in full uh, you know, Jedi Master training the Padawan kind of mode. (laughs) Um, So yeah, we we had three practice games in uh, the three. Uh, So apart from the two I lost to Mike Crossman, I was sort of, uh, I was 4-0. If you don't count Crossman, Battles, (laughs) (laughs) Battles, <laughs> <laughs> which I feel like that's almost fair. If you want to that's gauge fair. how you're doing, you shouldn't really Pick count them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was doing it right. Which meant that I was off to Canberra this last weekend, just gone. So only a few days ago at the time of recording, went to a double tournament. So I qualified for the Masters in fifth with my Ratkin, rolling up with uh, Undead with what I felt like was no not a snowball's chance in hell which was probably a pretty accurate assessment of my own abilities given that I was playing a new army and not as good to begin with even if I was playing my army against the majority of the field. But the the there was a another tournament the day before called... Fortunes? Fortunes of War. Fortunes of War, which is a narrative event, which is really cool, which anyone could go to rather than just the Masters qualifiers. So it was about 24, I want to say. Mm-hmm. You have, you're either on good or evil, so... You, or um, the neutrals are like split up theoretically between good and evil. But um, as is the case in many metas around the world, I've been learning recently, it seems that evil are more popular, just the armies. There's more because of, evil armies, aren't there? No, I think it's almost even. Uh, in any case, there are more evil army players mm. uh, and all the neutrals ended up going over to good, which apparently is what has happened the last couple of years that Fortune's run as well. Uh, and I think Ken's thinking about running it a different way in future. We might try to get an interview in with Ken sometime soon if we can wrangle that. And he's got uh, other plans for fortunes and narrative events in general, which is really cool. But they do like a little reading of the good side and the evil side before each battle. And the general of the good and evil, or like you can sort of vote or whatever, decides on if you like want to attack or defend or flank. And depending on which you pick, you get various bonuses. And depending on who won the last battle overall out of good versus evil, there's another bonus for the next round, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. And um, it determines which scenario you play and stuff. So it's it's really good fun. Your your points don't count toward your personal score. They just count toward your overall, overall team score. Yep. But as far as I know, I think they're still used in like a um, – your personal score is still used in like a – uh, Swiss chess kind of situation as much as practical. Just still try and keep it as even as they can in terms of the game. That's it. Yeah. Just yeah. So you don't you're not playing someone who's you know a lot more experienced than you in like every mm. game just because you roll the dice poorly, so to speak. Mm. Yeah. Just double checking the third ed book. There's four forces of good armies and six forces of evil armies. Oh, of course, because we're only talking about the the ones released so far. So yeah, yeah I guess that makes sense. So we got. Four good, six evil, and is it 
Four neutral. Three. Four neutral? Okay, cool. So, neutral and good combined in this particular event. Mm. And I was playing good, even though I was undead, because oh, I took Jarvis. <laughs> yeah, I took Jarvis to make me good. Um, I took him mainly because I wanted to be good, knowing going into the event that there um, would be more evil players. Uh, so that's actually was my genius motivation. And not the actual unit itself? Um, I liked the unit himself, but I thought he seemed a little overcosted as compared to a regular necromancer. Mm-hmm. Where you can give him a few spells and you know an inspiring talisman, and he's more or less the same, but a bit less points. Main thing Jarvis gets is he gets an extra six inch range on his spells, and he gets very inspiring, mm. uh, which is a nine inch aura. Mm. Uh, and he also gets a couple of points of nerve. And I tell you what, mm. after 10, 12, 13 games with him or something, like every game I've played, I've played with Jarvis because I knew I was going to this event, mm-hmm. and I actually really rate him. I think he's awesome, so I don't regret taking him at all. I don't know if I'd take him in every list necessarily. Like to to an extent, it still applies that the cheaper necromancer is good. Mm-hmm. But that very inspiring is is so good. It really allows him to keep up with his dudes, get it in there. And I just started to really get behind Jarvis's story over the course of the <laughs> scenario, and like you know my own stupid made up story, including one game in Fortunes, which was the game four, I believe, against Chris. He had he had undead as well, and he had double uh, vampire dragon. Yep. And I charged his dragon in the last turn with Jarvis trying to hit him with my stick. With his book. So because <laughs> <laughs> I'm using the old Heinrich Kemlar metal model. I'm getting it in there oh, right, and yeah. like, <laughs> eat, the, eat stick. And I'm Jarvis, Jarvis. Because he's like one attack, five to hit. <laughs> five to Did damage, I think. So he's, he didn't have much chance. He hit him too. Uh, didn't damage him though. Just gave him wow. a good old bonk on the head. Because I was trying to stop him from flying and... Charging my skeleton, spearman up the ass in the last turn, didn't quite work. But he was nevertheless uh, highly heroic over the over the course of the day, um, and didn't die. I think M- maybe once, but he certainly hasn't died much. He's well, good at staying. A, he's a survivor. Yeah, he is. He's good at staying uh, exactly nine inches away from whatever is relevant in the fight. If you know what I mean. <laughs> yeah, he, he's cool. I've just quickly tallied up the points between Jarvis and a necromancer with the spells that Jarvis has. It's 120 points to have the same spells, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. except there is a Necromancer Surges 6 instead of 8. So yep. basically for 20 points, you're getting an extra 2 more Surge, 2 extra Nerve, and very inspiring, plus very the inspiring. 6 inches to your range, spell range. Which is very worth it. Yeah, yeah, you get a lot for your 20 points, although... But you are decking you, it out. You're not necessarily comparing like for like there because... Yeah. You know, yeah, you wouldn't actually take all those spells at once. But that said, when you've actually got them all, you find you use them. I quite often had games where I used all four. So you use Lightning Bolt, you use Bane Chant, you use Surge, mm. and you use a Heal. Um, and actually found over the course of the last... Well, this could just be because I'm not a great undead player or it could be because of the list I was taking or whatever. But I took a Revenant King with Surge and a, um, and a Surge on the Vampire as well. I had a Vampire Lord with the Wings of the Honey Maze due in part to the fact that I didn't have any dragon or whatever models, so I thought, we'll try the little Flappy Lord on foot. And uh, I didn't use Surge much. I hardly use Surge at all. I actually wouldn't take Surge, certainly not on him. Mm. It's nice to have it as a threat, but in the actual battle, I was finding that I wasn't using it awfully often, but part of that was probably playing very good players who have seen the whole move around the flank and surge in the flank kind of maneuver so many times that there's no way that any of them were falling for it, if you know yeah. what I mean. Yep. I think surge uh, increases in value almost exponentially 
like the worse the general European <laughs> you're facing <laughs> Definitely. is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So how did you find the flying vampire? I thought he was going to be pretty pretty good. Um, he was better than I initially thought. I, f- I, I read him as being quite overcosted, just on paper, mm-hmm. and I found him to be better than that. But the stronger the opponent, the less useful he was. Which I suppose, as I'm saying this, like obviously that's the case with any unit, right? Like, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. But <laughs> Insert name of unit and then say that it's yeah. One thing that was interesting with him is that I felt putting him in with the wings is actually better than putting him on a horse because for the same points you can put him on a horse and give him the sort of um, re-roll one attack. Was it slashing or, mm. or slaying or something? You give him the sort of slashing and the horse, same exact price, and other players sort of might think that that's better because what everyone said is, oh, but why'd you give him that? Because he goes down to defense four. That's what everyone said, like from your average player all the way through to the master, uh, the masters. And I found that maybe one or two games did he cop a couple of extra wounds on account of defense four. Mm. If you maneuver him well, his defense doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. He, like you don't want him to be defense two or something because occasionally he will get charged by something. You yeah, want him to that hits, is yeah, damaging, yeah. Yeah, you want him to be able to take half a dozen wounds and not break every now and again, but you don't want him to. You don't want to put him in a position where he's charged by some big nasty dragon or something, which I actually did in in one <laughs> in one game. <laughs> but he was playing distraction card effects in that particular game, and he's not very good at that particular job. But uh, one one thing I will say, and I did predict this earlier, but he his his whole duelist shtick, where he flies into individual characters and cuts them up, yeah. Doesn't work against good players. <laughs> well, again, insert any rule and say that. <laughs> yeah, no, but I see the idea of it, but I think I got to do it like once or twice over the course of all the games I played. And mm-hmm. um, in one instance in particular, I went into the orc special character who who does a bunch of wizardry and whatever. I don't know what his name is. He, I think he might be a new one, but he stomps about doing wizarding spells and stuff. And I went into him and killed him in one round with the duelist and went, yeah, cool, that was awesome. My opponent probably didn't see that coming. And then he proceeded to charge him with a troop of orc berserkers, the savage orc kind of characters, mm. and just take him off. And I was like, hmm, maybe that wasn't worth it. <laughs> <laughs> Although actually he took him off over two rounds or something. But partly it was my f- underestimating that troop of berserkers because they got they 15 attacks yep. hitting on threes with crushing yep. one on a troop. Yep. <laughs> it's like, you just look at them at orcs and you're like, oh, they're orcs, whatever. <laughs> Turns out they're absolutely apeshit. So. No, they're more axe. They'll do mm. that. Yeah. And before you say it, it wasn't the defense four that killed him. It got him It got him over two <laughs> rounds and would have killed him just as hard if he was defense five. So yeah. often that's the case, uh, I found. So I wasn't too upset about the defense and the extra maneuverability is great. Having him on an individual base, also awesome. And but, nice and uh, small. Yeah, yeah, nice and small. Yeah, so as I went up to Fortunes, the undead list that I managed to cobble together, I might as well go through it for you, lads. It's, uh, you know, again, subject to what models I had available and what I had painted that I could rebase and those kinds of things. So not necessarily my ideal list, but a bit of this, bit of that. Something I thought would be moderately competitive without being too, you know, over the top or whatever else. Mm-hmm. And also something I could fit in my box as well. I borrowed a box from Benson, having not finished mine and mine being a bit too big for the plane. So I took the same list to both Fortunes and the Masters. And it was probably a little on the strong side for some of the Fortunes games and a little on the weak side for the Masters, I'd probably say. Right. 
that's a good balance, isn't it? Sort of. Mm, yeah. I think so. It is what it is, I guess. But um, yeah, a lot of people are in the same boat with the Masters, just uh, sorry, with Fortunes, because obviously the Masters being the next day and so many people flying in for it, all the Masters guys entered Fortunes as well. So it was a, despite mm. the fact it was a narrative event, it was a killer field because <laughs> you're 24 players, half of them were Masters players. <laughs> yeah, so those poor bunnies that are there for the narrative. <laughs> it's going to yeah. get rough and storm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a funny little combination. But when you say bunnies there for the narrative, uh, some of the non-Masters players were real killers as well, just like awesome Canberra players and stuff that hadn't mm. necessarily played enough events during the year to qualify but are of pretty much equal calibre. So there were some really uh, high-class players there as well. Mm-hmm. Anyway, uh, my list was a we had Jarvis Jarvis Kemler who uh, kicked a lot of goals and was good for the good guys. Is that his surname? No, it's not his surname. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Jarvis Kemler. <laughs> I had a Vampire Lord with Wings the Honey Maze, as I said already. Uh, we also had a Revenant King with Surge and a Horse. Um, no item. And in fact, I didn't have any items throughout the rest of my list at all. It was just mm-hmm. the Wings of the Honey Maze was my only item. Uh, that was in part because I didn't know where items were best positioned as of yet necessarily and it was in part because it was a deliberate lower complexity piece so I didn't have to have any items to forget and things like that and I actually think for the most part you shouldn't take many items I think it can be a mistake of a lot of new players whacking an item on every unit Mm. certainly I used to do it with the Ratkin more and my list have become stronger since I've stopped that to a large extent anyway um, two Balefire Catapults which were exceptional (laughs) <laughs> the whole weekend, those things are baller. Just so consistent these days, and this seems to be a running theme. I'm noticing a lot of people comment on the consistency of artillery these days. I think it's better for both players, although some people would argue that, because where previously they'd have very few shots, but they'd do shitloads of damage when they hit. They were very spiky. It's like if, if you had two artillery pieces and they both hit in one turn, they could like blow up a unit, mm. which felt mm. bad for the defending player but then it felt bad for the player taking the artillery often because they you spent whole games where they just did nothing but miss all game mm-hmm. so i think the way that they've done it now where each hit is a bit less impactful but it's got a few more shots virtually all artillery pieces are in that boat actually really like that change i've also got a unit of zombie trolls a unit of whites two troops of revcav which are amazing a reg of zombies a reg of wraiths a horde of skeleton spearmen and two regiments of revenants. So, bit of this, bit of that. Some pretty tough infantry. Two pseudo flyers in the form of the wraiths and the um, whites, which yep. I constantly got mixed up the whole weekend because their name is so similar. Yeah. And and the confusion is that revenant cavalry and revenants they used to be called whites in the old like Warhammer days. So they've called something else whites, which are nothing like you know. <laughs> and so I was constantly saying, "Oh, the white lord over there," and they're like, "What the fuck is a white lord?" And so I, <laughs> I meant, "Oh, the revenant cavalry king, that guy, the <laughs> bloody guy there, the undead guy." Yeah, yeah. And his his name has always been Barry White. Yeah. And now I've had to change that because it doesn't make any sense. What Barry Revenant doesn't really work, does it? No, you can still be Barry White. Reverend Barry. He could be Stephen <laughs> King. Oh, that just struck me. He could be Steve. Stephen King. Oh yeah. Mm. Okay, anyway. Um, <laughs> Let's just go and name everything, shall we? Let's just go name everybody. Okay. So, first game at the Fortunes of War. I'll, I'll dash through them pretty quickly because um, probably people are more interested in the in the Masters anyway, and we've already been through a few games, so don't want to make it uh, too boring for the listeners. Although, I know my man Paul out there is uh, 
having fun painting his models while he listens to this. He tells me he needs more Kings of War material to paint his models, so shout-outs to Paul. <laughs> but uh, my first game was against my man Josh, who was actually a Masters player, so straight in with a tough matchup right away, in a way. <laughs> no, no softies to, to begin the game. And he was playing Orcs, a killer Orc list, um, and Orcs might be my vote for most improved with this new edition. Mm. You know, armies like Empire of Dust, which were always good, are still good. Uh, mm. Armies like Abyssal Dwarves are still really good. But yeah, the the Orcs, my God, they are so competitive these days. So you've, he had um, two Flying Dragon Beasts, mm-hmm. uh, heaps of just uh, Orcs with um, spears and whatever else. The, Long axe. Def- the Defense 5 Phalanx Crushing 1 million attack unit is legit. Like Yeah, it's, they've just gotten a big boost, those Long Axe. They were mm. good before and now... Phalanx has just improved them so much more. It's it's got a hell of a footprint, but for 255 points, that unit is appallingly good. Mm. And I'm even more impressed by the Berserkers, the little um, smaller units, which are called, I believe, Morax. Yeah, the Morax. They've got, as I said before, I think I mentioned that my vampire went into his nasty character, which is called Whip the Outcast, Mm -hmm. took him off. I felt pretty good about myself until the Morax troop went into him and just deleted him mm. I say deleted again it took two turns but nevertheless <laughs> it's, yeah, a it's, slow it's, it's a slow deletion it's, it's a slow deletion yeah it was more like an eraser just like rubbing him out slowly <laughs> but surely so he did get pretty wiped but uh, yeah that might have been worth it just because Banechant was so critical in his list because it meant that my rev infantry and some other like tough ass units the wraiths things like that could just hold him up for ages we were playing dominate so we had to try to get into the center I got first turn, managed to get up quite far and um, dominate that circle, as it were, mm. to, a, to a large extent and try to keep him out of it and just grind, grind, grind him, undead grind stuff. Both dragons, I think Josh may have been a little bit rusty, I'm going to throw out for this game with his dragons because he hadn't played them much before. Of course, they're not actually dragons. They're what, crudger on wing Crudges, slasher or whatever. Slashes, yep. Same yeah. shizzle, different bucket, man. Like, it's exactly the same kind of unit. So, big old flying beastie. Uh, he charged one into my whites and one into my, I want to say, zombie trolls. Both units held. So, the whites, the wraiths, or... <laughs> no, I do mean whites. Yeah, I do mean okay. whites. I'm going to be try, I'm try, try to be really careful to name them right because I struggle with this all weekend. Uh, I've got my list in front of me, so I'm going to try to, like, not stuff it up to confuse everyone. But yeah, the the whites and the zombie trolls, mm-hmm. who are probably my two only units. And if if my army had a major weakness, which it, it probably had several minor weaknesses, but its major one was it, it was too many anvils, not enough hammers. And I found that throughout the weekend when I played against like a bag of hammer armies, I felt <laughs> like it was a real <laughs> struggle uh, because you know stuff like the revenant regiments which are awesome for 125 points fearless 17 d5 like they're solid as a rock yeah but yep. they 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 have like handbags like they hit they have 12 attacks hitting on fours crushing nothing and every single every single opponent i found they all went i'm crushing and i'm like nope. yeah nothing nothing they're like i'm sorry <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah crushing nothing they'd be like oh okay that's five to win and i'm like yeah i did one as usual <laughs> that's it that's all they do uh but they hold and they hold and they hold and they ground out those orcs and held them back long enough to secure dominate um i took both his dragons off turn two when he um 
did some somewhat questionable charges, which I'm pretty certain he didn't do for the whole rest of the weekend. So he, he got that out of his system before eating some people for brekkie in the Masters, I think. <laughs> but um, yeah, good game. Got the win in that one. Wish pushed me on to play uh, possibly my favorite game of the whole weekend. Do you remember, sorry, just to interrupt, do you remember what the bonus was for your next game? Like who won, like was it good or evil and what the benefit was? Uh, the evil player won that game and what it meant was the evil player gets to designate which loot token. So the next one was plunder, yep. the one where the tokens are in the middle and the evil player gets to denominate which tokens were worth two and which were worth one. Hmm. Um, so I played goblins and in my experience against goblins, they hate spreading out. It was my man Tony. Uh, really excellent Canberra player. I was certain that he was a Masters player, but it turned out he wasn't in the event. But you could have fooled me. He was a very good player. <laughs> and he was playing with a couple of units of trolls and heaps of goblin stuff, the usual shenaniganery. Uh, it was probably the most balanced goblin list I played against, like not too skewed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, he, I, I find that goblins hate spreading out. So he quite wisely picked the two loot tokens nearest the middle to be worth two points rather than one, being the evil guy. Mm-hmm. And that ended up being huge. Like, I was ahead. I went for a pretty high gamble charge into his giant in turn two and took it off uh, with some decent rolling. And then I basically started to gradually r- destroy him as a result of that. And it was I was up for the whole game. I'm sure Tony would agree. Like, I was, it looked as I was going to win. Reasonably, like, small win was gradually turning into a bigger and bigger win over the course of the game. Like, an inexorable advance of the dead, as it were. Um, mm. And then two major things changed that. One was his <laughs> Goblin Spear unit going into my Zombie Trolls, which uh, died in a single round of combat. So they got, <laughs> with their... I want to say 25 attacks hitting on fives. They got 12 hits. 30 for spears? I remember this. Uh, 30. It might have been 30. Uh, whatever. It was a reasonable number of attacks as a horde of spears has. Mm-hmm. He hit 12 times and then we both, and then he did 12 wounds. Oh. And we're both uh, like, what? Okay. Like 12 so from 12. Sixes? He took a photo of the dice. We were like laughing about it and stuff. Um, so yeah, 12 wounds on the zombie trolls, which means you take them off on a five and <laughs> out they went. They should have done like three or four or whatever. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, cool. That means I can hit him in the rear, etc." He's like, nah, took him off. Stomp, stomp, stomp. Well, there you go. But uh, So that was, that was fairly troublesome, but wasn't actually the end of the game. It still looked like I was going to... I was going to win and then a rear charge into his trolls from my revenants with handbags who may have been bane chanted. I want to say bane chanted, possibly not, uh, but 36 attacks up the butt, even with handbags is going to, is going to, you know, leave you feeling something. These trolls were already damaged, standing on an objective, didn't break them. So that was the last turn of the game. And um, that meant that Tony could claw it back to a draw and he was sweating bullets. Uh, we both were. It was actually a great game. He he used uh, his uh, troll hero, who um, I still think non-individual characters are very powerful and possibly slightly underpointed, although I'm not sure if I've got a whole lot of mathematical grounds for that. But mm. just the fact that they can claim objectives, get double attacks for flanks and so on and so forth, it just feels better than individuals for the most part. But anyway, he... Um, stomped over and claimed a two-point objective in the last turn after A, the trolls got wiped out and then my troop of Revenant Cav got zapped off with lightning, which is quite a hard thing to do as you, Defense as I five. found out. Yeah, Defense 5 and Fearless, Fearless 14. <laughs> like, 
they're not they're not that hard they're not that easy to get rid of with lightning but off they went and so uh, tony would agree that he uh, got a little lucky toward the end of that one but who cares what a game like so much fun mm. yeah so that was the end of that one i ended in a winning draw for me i was quite a far ahead on attrition mm-hmm. so despite the you know mishaps toward the end there which meant but overall for this round despite the fact that i drew it was a good victory Hey. So, yes, up up one for good. One for On evil. Jarv. One for good. <laughs> Jarvis was celebrating with all his homies. Uh, even though he took no part in the narrative, much to my dismay, there was he was not written in and at all. his undead homies have no expression and don't know how to fight. Yeah, he, so he was there celebrating by himself. He Couldn't he just make them yeah. celebrate how he wanted them to? I don't know if he's got that kind of power. Mm. Have a word. <laughs> have a word. <laughs> Yeah, he was setting off little necromantic fireworks and all that. He's loving it. <laughs> so then the next game was a game. Uh, sorry, what was the bonus for good? Uh, I'm trying to find the... It says on the sheet when the next game is played. Uh, this one was against Drew and another goblin player. So this time... <laughs> some practice in. Yeah, double goblins. In fact, <laughs> counting the game against you because you also played goblins. I don't know if we mentioned that, but this is my third uh, undead versus goblin game. And I actually think the undead, I feel like they might have the edge against goblins. At least, I think goblins are a really scary army. I think they're really, really strong. But some of the undead strengths work relatively well against goblins, I think. You mm. know. In any case, this one was your pillage. So, a whole bunch of objective markers. It was D3 plus 4, which we rolled a 1 for. So, we got 5 objective markers. Okay. And then I, the advantage for winning for good was good gets to place them all. And then... Wow, Okay. And then that's pretty big. But, but bear in mind that when you place them all, that's before picking table sides. Yeah, you still, still get the two sides. Yeah. So you don't just get but to put still. them all on your side necessarily. But also, you win the roll, uh, win any ties for the roll for first turn. So you also <laughs> okay. have like an edge on getting first. Yeah. Uh, which I I don't think that came into it, but actually I don't actually remember whether I went first or not. But it wasn't relevant really. Um, mm-hmm. But what I did do again, bearing in mind my theory that goblins don't like to spread out much. I put one in the dead center and I put the other four all in the extreme corners. So regardless of which side I got, <laughs> they were kind of forced to, they have to split out. try to spread out as much as yeah. practical, right? They needed to try to get to mine, which I thought was going to be near impossible because his army was nine war machines. Wow. Okay, so all the sharp stick thrower, more puffs and catapults. But they're the three different war machines Goblin have. Right. Oh, apart from war trombones, but they're different. Oh, he did have two war trombones as well. <laughs> yeah um, All the Goblin players Had war trombones Those things are still disgusting Lots of unit strength In that army He had two of the Goblin blasters Yep Those Goblin blasters Can jog on man Ridiculous <laughs> Anyway Drew set up All the Goblin Things along the line Like a, if you can imagine A long line of war machines All at the back mm-hmm. And then he had Heaps and heaps As you can probably imagine Loads of regiments Of regular Goblin meatheads mm. Just standard rabble yeah, a couple of spear hordes as well. And I looked at his army and went, mm, yeah, this is going to be pretty straightforward, I think. Um, did, he have a, did he have a wing it? He did. He did have a wing it as well. Okay. Yeah. Good. So he had all the toys, basically, but not a lot of combat potential. No. So being, I think my army was matched up well against his. And if, if there's anything, <laughs> there, there were some people after the event that were complaining about Drew's army actually uh, on Facebook because of the nine war machines, you know, and people saying that that's not very fun to play against or whatever. But I tell you, there's pretty strong motivations in third edition 
as it was in second as well, quite honestly, but in third as well to not take that kind of army because lo and behold, when you've got objective markers in the corner, his only real hope was to claim his two and claim the middle, right? Mm. Because he wasn't going to get to my two with his with his crappy goblin rabble units, like just wandering across the unit. Even with their doggos, they were never getting through my um, undead hordes of doom. So, you know, he he had to get that center one. And I just walked forward, basically, and then just went in with with my um, whites and my wraiths. <laughs> There's always a question mark after every one of those units. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh, uh, he took off the cavalry troops fairly early with the war machines and stuff, as you'd probably expect. But then doing some sort of trivial damage here and there on the bigger units, which I was then able to... Oh, um, Jarvis Kemler has a minor heal, just three, mm. th- only heal three. But I healed off a point or two here and there because I didn't really have anything else to do with his spells uh, for the first few turns. And um, also healed off a point or two in the grind because the gobos themselves could not do all that much to me in combat. And I just went through him bit by bit, just ground over those gobos as you do and um, claimed, I want to say, three objectives to one pretty <laughs> comfortably. It never really looked like... In, in Drew's defense, I'm not sure there was a whole heap he could do with that army to win on the objective. That said, it was pretty well dead even on uh, attrition because he got lots of points for killing things with catapults and stuff. And there's all those the slow ass undead, or even any army for that matter, is not going to get many points out of you or, or out of all those little toys when they're all just standing on the back of the board and they're busy claiming objectives. Yeah. Like you know, that's 850 you, points worth of war machines in that list. It is almost not ever worth going toward and killing war machines like. <laughs> In Kings of War, I find, unless you've got like a cheap flying chaff unit, like a gargoyle mm. unit or something like that, like just don't bother. Don't don't even don't even spend resources going after them, especially not with like a dragon or something like that. Just forget yeah. about it. Let them do their thing because it's rarely worth the energy, I find. Yep, totally agree with that. So even if you have a look at it as a turn base, you've got, say, three war machines there you're trying to take out. That's three different turns that you'd be dedicating a resource to, so... Yep, and absolutely. I had some opportunity so. to get into them with the vampire, and I just chose not to. I don't think I killed yeah. any of them. He would have to be killing one every turn for four turns to get his points back, but then it's like, what's the impact? He probably could do that, but but then like he's not lending his attacks on bits that I thought were meaningful. And actually yeah. found, despite the fact that I was talking earlier about his duelist being a bit of a trap, like because he doesn't get to use it that much, just putting seven attacks at crushing two, hitting on threes into the side of a unit, is pretty nice. Like, Chips away, yeah. Yep. He rarely gets struck back. I think a few opponents probably should have countercharged him instead of the unit they were fighting on like some rare occasions because mm-hmm. he is a, a little squishier than, you know, especially if they were fighting like the Skeleton Spearman Horde or something that's that's not very squishy, like it's hard to get through their nerf. They probably should have gone after him a little bit more. But yeah, the vampire does like a weird don't. thing to your head though. If he's in the flank... And you're choosing to countercharge him. That means that you're the unit that you're effectively in the frontage of. Mm. If you don't break him, and what he's he's got a pretty high nerve now. You got a slight yeah, he's fourteen sixteen edition. Yeah. yeah. So like, if you don't crack him, then all of a sudden you're offering double attacks. That's right. That's right. And I'm not saying so it was always right by any it, means, yeah. but occasionally it, it's probably worth considering. But you're right. It's too it's too scary to do often, especially if he's unwounded. And if you're only going to do a few bits of damage to him, his Life Leech 2 is really good. Mm. Yeah, his Life Leech 2 is nice. And I wonder if taking him cheaper, just leaving him on foot because 
he's so hard to hit, people rarely target him. Leaving him on foot and giving him the extra life leech mm-hmm. magic item, which is a little cheaper. Uh, it's, a, it's a thought. Anyway, give, going up to life leech 3 and staying at D5 could be pretty sweet. <laughs> it's definitely something we've got but to also, try. But that, that brings him down to speed 6, and I think a big part of him being effective is being able to get anywhere on the board. Definitely is, yeah. yeah. I, I, like my gut tells me that would be weaker unit, but it still could be an interesting thing to try. It'd have a bit of a different role. Just charge into the front of things and just keep chopping them up. Mm. Anyway, um, yeah, so that game ended 14-7 for me. Okay. It was never really going to end anything other than 14-7. Drew would probably agree with that. Yep. Um, but it was quite a, despite the whole gun line vibe, it was quite a fun game, I thought. And um, yeah, I enjoyed talking with Drew. It was good. Mm. Which left me to my last game of Fortunes of War. I'm on two wins and a draw, mm-hmm. and I'm playing Chris. Chris had a very nasty undead army. I think it was a little bit more tuned than mine. He had um, three regiments of zombies just for unlocks, presumably. Three or four regiments of Soul Reaver Cav. Okay. Yeah. I can't recall if it's three or four, but it's probably three, right? Because you're only allowed... No, no, that doesn't matter with the regiments. It's not yeah, what we're yeah. Anyway, heaps of them, two hordes of zombie trolls, and then two dragons. So double dragon again, okay. but this time wielded by Chris, who is. Um, I mean, Josh is a good player too, but Chris is Chris is particularly nasty. Um, <laughs> I played him once before with his gobbo shooty list with double ogre shooters allied in, ah, yeah. and that 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 was a. Difficult game. So, what flavor of dragon are we talking? Vampire Lord or Rev King? Vampire Lord on dragon. Okay. Yeah, yeah, the full potato dragon, not right. the uh, three quarters of the way there, which is the Revenant King on undead flying worm. I think it is yep. like actual great dragon, flying <laughs> undead great, great flying worm, undead yeah. great flying worm. Yeah, they had a lot of adjectives in there. Mouthful. That's what it is. But uh, yeah, double dragon. I was scared in this matchup. <laughs> I was scared. <laughs> Unlike the orcs, who's the orc? Oh, the infantry were awesome and probably in a way better than than the core in Chris's army. The amount of revenant cavalry meant that he just outdistanced me so hard all over the board. I was quite concerned. I didn't really know how I was going to win this one. Mm. But it was push, so it was get over the opponent's side of the board. His whole army was significantly faster, and he went first. So I was like, "Ooh, don't mm. know, don't know how I'm going to win this one." What I ended up doing it had the loot tokens as well, didn't it? Yeah, yes. we had D three loot tokens, and I think it, I think Evil had won the previous round, but I don't. Unfortunately, I haven't got written down what the bonus was. Okay. So sorry, you'll have to miss out on whatever the bonus was there. But Evil got something or other, uh, some sort of minor bonus to this mission. And, I, and as a reminder, I was good because of hardcore Javi. Javi, Javi came down. <laughs> this game was the one where I did a lot of sacrificing units, including charging my vampire into the front of his vampire on dragon, which went predictably. Right. He went in, he fluffed his attacks. He got like two wounds, and then just uh, got attacked back and got kind of creamed. Whoa. Um, yeah. But I did things like that on purpose to deliberately just try to slow Chris down a bit because I was just trying to play the objective as much as possible because I felt like I couldn't beat him 1v1 in the field, so to speak. Mm-hmm. The Whites continued to, I haven't said so far, but the Whites have just been killing about double their points in every single game so far and they continued to do that. Cleaned up like three or four regiments that they're just, they're really good. Crushing too brutal on threes. It's pretty yeah. good. Yeah. Like, 
if you just charge them at stuff, they won't do well. But if you support them with the wraiths, I found it was good supporting Anvil and also the troops of Revenant Cav to just try to guide them in and get them hitting things and not being hit back as much as possible. Mm. I also had pretty good dice with them consistently. Couldn't say the same for most of the rest of the army, but for some reason... The whites, which which like any unit, can whiff with bad dice, just seem to just go in and just consistently get like 10 damage. I'd just be like, 10 damage, brutal, roll a 7, take you off. Like hmm. like every unit they went into, this this was just the pattern. So they, uh, they were destructive and continued to be all the way through Masters as well. But this game ended in a 4-plus roll where <laughs> Jarvis had just run in and tried to kill his, and by kill I mean ground, his completely undamaged vampire lord. I wasn't able to damage either of them. I put a few wounds on them and tell you what, you think the uh, the regen, sorry, not regen, the um, soul suckle business on the regular vampire, life leech, that's the one. You think life leech, <laughs> you think, you think life Dude, leech is good on the regular soul vampire. Suckle. Life <laughs> leech on the dragons is even that's better, man. Like next spell for uh, Clash of Kings, soul yeah. suckle. Soul suckle. <laughs> give it a... Give it a <laughs> Yeah, that, that sounded gross, whatever you just did. <laughs> but yeah, I, um, I, my, my funnest moment, this is at the end of Fortunes where both of us are playing a bit fast and loose and having a bit of a silly time. I'm like, well, Jarvis could like cast lightning or Banchan or something, but f- that, he's getting in there with his stick and just trying to lay about him. Um, didn't work, as I said. They, uh, no, the, it's Jarvis. The goblins, <laughs> sorry, the, uh, not goblins, the... Uh, Spear uh, skeletons copped a uh, sam- they were in a dragon sandwich and they were the ham, <laughs> so that went badly oh. for them. <laughs> but in the last turn, he was in a position where he could grab a loot token and move another loot token over the other side of the board because it's the one where you get one point if you've got the loot token and two points if it's you've got the loot token in the opponent's half, which would have taken the score from three two to four three. Mm-hmm. So and I had virtually no units left on the board, so it's it's one of those turn seven rolls where you like and and I was playing for the turn six win the whole time. It's all mm. I had because I made a few dumb moves and was getting a little tired as you do in game four, particularly me. And I'm like, oh well, here we go. So I just closed my eyes and threw the dice. I was up three two uh, and came up a three. So no, next turn, <laughs> some some hardcore tactics there. So I walked away with three wins and a draw from um from fortunes of war and was still only the third best good general <laughs> behind well ken the masters organizer and also a very good player and tracy so i suppose mm. at least it's good to follow in the stead of loyalty yeah. but every other good player was uh did not do as well shall we say so <laughs> evil won quite convincingly despite despite me doing putting in the good word you know jarvis took one for the team well but, done yeah on your jarv go jarvis but uh, not he didn't put in enough effort, as it turns out. What I did find with my undead army in general is that they have a lot of you know variety of unit types. They they have a lot of uh, they're a nice flexible kind of army, but they didn't win big. They were a grinder. Hmm. Chris's army was the kind of army that had the potential to really win big. Like it could just roll over people if they you know if the dice were right or the moves were right and those kinds of things. They'll just roll over people. But all my like. Revenant infantry and zombie trolls and skeleton spearmen and those kind of mediocre infantry units like they're not gonna they're not they might be a recipe to win on objectives but they're not a recipe to win massively on attrition and get twenty one zips. Mm. 
mm-hmm. and that certainly didn't happen. <laughs> but hey, I was doing okay. So that, that was the end of uh, that day. We went back to some of the Masters Lads hotel rooms and had a few beers and had a meal together and talk shop. So good times. That's nice. Mm. Nice. Pleasant. Shall we get smashing into Masters then? Maybe sure. I'll, I know I keep saying it, but I'll try to talk a f- bit less through it. How were you feeling? I was good, actually. I wasn't too hungover or anything. I went home at a reasonable hour. I was staying with my in-laws who live in Canberra, actually, to save some moolah on accommodation. And I had a great time with them, just kicking back, had a few bevies with my father-in-law, watched a movie, good times. You were worried that they were going to ask you too many things or take you out because of you'd be tired. Did that happen? Not really. I think I I'd canvassed it sufficiently to tell them that I was going to be buggered the whole time and that they shouldn't expect me to be too entertaining. I don't know. I've been married a long time. I know my in-laws very well, so it's not like a meet the parent situation. It's not too much of a worry. But yeah, good times uh, with the in-laws and that uh, left me pretty fresh to play in the Masters against my man, Steve. Actually, can I just jump in? I'm going to... Put Hugh. Oh, shut up, Phil. You've been talking so long. I know, I know. (laughs) Give Hugh just a couple of uh, seconds here that he doesn't have to talk. So. Right, make it quick. (laughs) Make it snappy. So, Australian Masters. So, it's literally the whole year that goes through the ranking points are all calculated, and the top 12 players get an auto invite. Okay. Of that top 12, anyone that's unable to come, so e.g. myself, uh, was unable to come, so then they go to the next person, and so forth and so forth, until they get a top 12. Uh, so this top 12, uh, I'll read them all out here really quickly. Just, Chase, just as you do, there's also a yep. couple of auto-invites for the two two biggest yes, tournaments of true. the year, I think. There is, yeah. Um, although quite often you'll find that the people in that top 12 and the people that won those big tournaments are one and the same anyway. Mm. That's right. So that's uh, CanCon and mm-hmm. Convic, isn't it? And I think uh, Brisbane also has one, I think. Yeah, I think but that's right. There is right. a couple of tournaments three. when you win, you get an auto invite. So mm. that's that's pretty pretty handy. Which so, I did uh, not get, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> I've never won a Kings of War tournament. I've podiumed many times, but I've never won one. Mm, there you go. Neither. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so the usual suspects were there. So Jeff Trash, uh, Ken Ferris, obviously was running it. Clint Richards, Steve Tuck, uh, who won it last year. Damian Madigan, Josh Angel, that the Hugh played earlier. Hugh himself. Chris Wilcox, Paul Yannick. I can't pronounce his name. Uh, Peter Ball and uh, Andrew Goodman as well were all there. So lots of Victorian groups, I guess, mm. uh, purely because I think that there is a line of thinking that because we have a lot of tournaments down here with some pretty good attendance, um, it does give us some good ranking points. Yep. And their factions, um, so, which I thought was actually one of the biggest and most interesting thing of the Masters, uh, particularly with the third edition coming in. So it was a bit limited, but there was three undead. So undead was the most taken. And then Night Stalkers, only one dwarf, one goblin, one forces of the abyss, one empire of dust, one abyssal dwarfs that's always Andrew Goodman, hmm. and the trident realms of Nurtica, which uh, Jeffrey Trash took. So it was an interesting spread. I was not expecting Undead to be so heavily used. How about you guys? Yeah, well, I wonder if part of it was that everybody's got an Undead army in the shed. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, obviously only half, roughly half, of the armies available in kings of war or that will be available very soon were legal because of course uncharted empires wasn't out yet so when you consider that there was only sort of 10 how many factions did we decide before 14 
factions to choose from? 14, yeah. Only 14. God, there's a lot of factions in this game, but yeah. That's half of them. Yeah. (laughs) 14 factions available. You expect to see a couple of double-ups, but yeah. Yeah, fair few undead. And undead's strong, just generally mm. strong in second edition, so I don't see why it wouldn't be the same in third. Yeah, it's a good list. I wouldn't question that it's strong. I think uh, dwarves were, toward the end of the second, considered to be one of the best lists. Mm-hmm. And I think they've probably gone down a little bit, perhaps due in part to the fact that shooting itself has gone down a little bit, and that's one of their main things. Yes. But, um, and uh, Brock Riders have taken a big hit. Mm, true, true. And mm. pr- but they're still really good. The same goes for Gobbos. They're in a similar boat in that they can still do really shooty lists. They just have a lot less sharp sticks. Goblins are still really powerful. And I think, as I said before, I think Orcs are probably the most improved. Empire of Dust still, to me, feel like a particular brand of undead anyway. If you're playing like the slow, grindy kind of undead, which for the most part I was actually, as it happens, you probably should just be playing Empire of Dust because they kind of just do that better. I think Empire of Dust are a bit more offensive. They've got like your the Revenant equivalent is mm. Defense 4 and Crush 1 instead. Yeah, no, Empire of Dust are just... They feel like, to me, especially through second ed, they felt like just the better version of Undead. And mm. I think I think it's balanced out a little bit more now. And the Undead list itself is probably a little bit more flexible than Empire of Dust. But Empire of Dust is still super-duper strong. And honestly, if I had to compare the two, I think I think Empire of Dust is stronger. There's some bent options in Empire, yeah. It's, it's mm. capable of making a more busted list anyway than, than Undead is, even though mm. you can take some... Very strong stuff in both, yeah. And Abyssal Dwarves are still possibly number one. Yep. Like, they were pretty close to number one before, and I'd be surprised if they weren't top three now. It's so hard to tell, right? We've got so few games, but, yeah. like, that's my initial impressions, is that they feel... So, I'm a good. member of a couple of different chat groups uh, about Kings of War, particularly in Australia, and uh, that's pretty much the general consensus, mm. that uh, they're that right? top three, for sure. You you definitely play um, more Theory Hammer, Kings of War than any 10 other Kings of War players. <laughs> so yep. I'll take your word for it there. Ah, that's it. So the 12 best available players, they've all come together. Uh, round one gets done. What is the scenario here? Uh, round one is push. So it's the same one that was the last scenario of the previous day, whereby you have some loot tokens you got to try to get over the opponent's side of the board. You could say trying to push them over. It's worth noting that round, uh, sorry, table one at the Masters was streamed the whole time. It was. Uh, so you can watch it on Twitch. You can still get hold of the videos, I believe, for now at least. I'm not sure how long yep. they'll be up. Only a few weeks for Twitch. Only a few weeks they'll be available. Yeah, and I'm not sure if Old Mate will turn them into like available in some other Export form. Export them to YouTube. Yeah, he might do. I don't know. But in any case, uh, it's not... Ken that wasn't responsible to that it was for the bloke that was running the venue who also mm-hmm. had a little burger bar there and stuff, which was cool. Forgot to mention there's a burger bar there and beer and stuff available nice. on site. Happy days. It seemed like a very roomy venue. I liked nice it. Nice and spacious. It was very spacious. Yeah, it was really good. You could have held, I reckon, easily 50-person tournament there. Easy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was, it was a good, good venue. So I was playing Steve Tuck, who I've been chatting with a bit before the event. Lovely bloke from one of the Team Shed crew. He uh, was taking Night Stalkers. And what other listeners might not know, and I'm not sure if this is done anywhere else in the world. Maybe it is. But in Australia, the first round of the Masters, you switch armies. Mm. So I was playing Night Stalkers and Steve was playing My Undead. And it's meant to be a a part, part sort of 
showing your general generalship, if you like, <laughs> your generalship <laughs> in general, playing with different armies and those kinds of things. And I think it's meant to work as something of a uh, self-comping thing to a degree. Because you don't want to give your opponent a super list. You don't want to give them some super bent list, that's right. Yeah. If, especially if you get like a some middling list that you don't really know how to use and you're just going to get stomped into the ground, mm. which I think happened to my... Uh, Second round opponent, spoiler alert, but we'll get to Okay. <laughs> so, playing Steve this game, it was an awesome game. I really enjoyed the Night Stalkers so much so, actually, that I was like, oh, I love these little gribbly goobers. I, I'm pretty keen to get around these and play. I, I'm just like, oh, I could airbrush a whole army. How cool would that be? <laughs> um, but I don't, Whatever army you can paint real quick. Oh. Yeah, that <laughs> gives me a bit of a... Gives me a bit of a hobby chub. Anything that's going to make it swift and <laughs> swift and easy, baby. That's what I'm all about. So um, we we played an uh, enjoyable game, and it is streamed. I said Table One was streamed. This is the one that I played that was streamed. And in fact, mm-hmm. if I could have picked any uh, game in the day to be streamed, it would have been this one because it was probably my favourite. It was v- pretty close the whole way. I made some a couple of dumb manoeuvring mistakes in the first turn that that. The most critical one was giving the vampire in my list the charge against my um, flappy bird spit wind bastards. Yeah, I saw that and thought, mm. Yeah, <laughs> I gave him that charge and I think in the back of my mind I was like, well, I can just counter charge if he goes into them. I don't really mind if he does. And then he did and then sure enough I look at it and I go, I can't charge him because my void lurker, mm-hmm. which is like a demon lord guy, he was about an inch too far forward, which meant that once the vampire charged, he was out of arc. So mm-hmm. this then led me to a lot of indecision in the following turn, like do I charge my um, void lurker somewhere else or move him away from the vampire, in which case he just let him go nuts on my back line, or do I sort of move the void lurker back, still give, it, give him arc to the vampire and give him you know some options and sort of just keep him open, which I did do. And at the time, I thought about it. Thought it was a mistake, and I wonder if I watch it back. I wouldn't mind watching it back. I haven't done that just because you don't get an opportunity to do that very often with your games, do you? Mm. But I'm interested to see. I think watchers probably would have viewed that as a mistake. In my head, I think it probably wasn't. Certainly, the positioning in the first turn was, but I don't think there was anywhere else to charge him where he was going to make a meaningful impact. And I needed to threaten my right flank where Steve was very boldly walking two out of four of his tokens over with my crappy zombie unit, which is far and away the weakest unit in the army, just shambling along with with all the prizes, so to speak. Basically, I stacked my left flank and he stacked his left flank, so opposite flanks to one another. And I was able to stomp over on that side and get two of my loot tokens across pretty readily mm-hmm. and then there were, I also won the middle eventually with my thrashy beast and took that token so then it was really just all about stopping that other side I'd perhaps foolishly although I didn't know where all these tokens were yet put one of mine on that side so he was basically contesting uh, he had three and one so there was four on that side and I had three it's all of them over his side of the his half, if you can imagine. I realize that yep. it's a little hard to understand. But three out of seven tokens I had control of and was comfortably over his side of the board and he had no way of getting to. The other yep. four were grinding sort of just on my side of the board. And I had a number of assets that had flying, a lot of flying uh, gribbly beasts of various descriptions, most of which I don't even know what they're called. I had little cards which I'd brought along that said what the Ratkin equivalent unit was so that I could remember what things did, more or less. <laughs> okay. <laughs> like, I, like I wrote things like fry, flying hackpaws and 
crazy warlock thing. Right. And like uh, rat demon that's a bit worse and things like that. <laughs> so, so that helps Specific. in the initial turns. And if anyone watches the video, you'll see them. And eventually I abandon them after turn or two because they just sort of were getting in the way and were mildly annoying. Mm. So uh, by then I sort of knew what, knew what was up. But uh, two <laughs> critical things happened in this game which really screwed me and stopped me from getting to the flank, which had the zombies. All I needed to do was charge those zombies. Uh, Steve had wisely moved a bunch of units in to try to sort of make that as difficult as possible, of course. Yep. And he was gradually grinding through my scarecrows, who probably should have won a grind against a troop. There's a horde of scarecrows against a troop of Revenant Cav. They probably should have won that grind, but they were gradually losing it as I just fives repeatedly... Mm-hmm. Yeah, but it's 30 attacks. <laughs> so you should get like three or four wins a turn. I was getting like one or none. Mm. Uh, and that hurt me for the first few turns. I finally got like four wounds in in the last round of that combat. By then it was too late. Uh, have I, had I got like the average of about... It's about three and a third. If I got like three wounds a turn uh, and taken it out the turn earlier, it could have really turned that flank because it would have allowed me to rotate and etc. Uh, but anyway, it's too hard to understand, too hard to imagine that stuff. Suffice to say, I had a bunch of flappy birds that needed to get to those zombos and charge them, either kill them and get the loot tokens, in which case I'd win by quite a bit, or at least stop them from getting over the line, which would put me ahead by a point, I think. Mm-hmm. At worst, at worst, force a draw. Even if everything else went poorly, early, early on, he charged the vampire into the void fiend thingy, and then di- did a small handful of wounds after it had previously been hit by my goddamn catapults, which only hit on a six because everything is stealthy. <laughs> so I'm like, oh, they'll be useless. And sure enough, he he hits Double in six. the first turn. I think it was just one hit, but it had three just or four one. wounds. Vampire did like four more, and then he he wavered it on an eleven. So he rolled 11 to waver it, and that meant the Void Lurker, it basically gradually led to his demise because he had no real choice but to keep fighting the vampire and eventually lost that fight. And he really shouldn't lose that fight. <laughs> like <laughs> He's 10 attacks. He's got a higher nerve. He should beat the vampire. The vampire was wounded as well, but as, as the dice decided that that wasn't going to go in my favor, as soon as that waver happened, it was never going to go super well. And then the other big one... I'm, I'm guessing your regen didn't work very well on the Void Lurker. Uh, I regen a, a couple, but not enough. Mm. Yeah, so that didn't, that didn't work out. And then, but <laughs> I wasn't too concerned about that because I had my uh, flappy Sky Shark things. There were two units. One of them was charged by the vampire earlier. The other one got into um, the flank of my skellies, took them off. Happy days. They were up on the hill ready to cause some carnage. And in mm-hmm. t- over two turns could get into the into the zombies who they could beat in a fight easily and potentially win me the game. And mm. Steve called it beautifully. He's like, I've got the two catapults pointed at it. He's like, I really need this to work. <laughs> It's a completely unwounded unit. It only hits on a six. So it's four four shots hitting on a six. He gets two out of four, which then means it's then landed on about six wounds or so, which all of which was obviously significantly above average. Then he needed to roll a decent number to to waver them and he wavers them. And I'm like, Oh shit. And you can probably you can probably see me on the camera. I'm like, Oh no. And both of us were like insane so they, they were wavered and then <laughs> they proceeded to get wavered again the next turn and so after these three wavers in a row i'm like i'm never playing a non-fearless army again <laughs> and i didn't manage to get to the zombies and steve's bold strategy of grinding through that side uh paid off so he got 
He got a minor win. Uh, it was my favorite game of the day, as I said, despite some cheeky waiver rolls. And some other rolls went in my favor. It's not like I rolled poorly throughout or anything like that. Or, or And it wasn't like Steve rolled off his tits either. It was just a few key moments where, as, as is sometimes the case in Kings of War, you know, those route rolls, if they spike mm. at a certain moment, they can really turn the game. And they only turned the game because it was so close before that, if that makes sense. So it was on a knife edge, but I felt comfortable. I felt confident by about the end of turn three. But then by the end of turn five, I was like desperately clawing <laughs> to try to get points and <laughs> couldn't, couldn't get there. So, yeah. So does this mean you're not going to start a Night Stalker army, even though it's easy to paint because of the ability to waver? That wouldn't be the reason I wouldn't collect a Night Stalker army. I actually really like the models as well. The Man- There's probably some of Mantic's best figures, I think. Mm. But And the fluff. Ugh. Yeah, I don't know. They're a bit wussy, wavery. They don't have tails or a snout. I'm not <laughs> sure if they're for me. But it was good. Fl- it was good flirting with the tentacles for a while, anyway, and having a bit of you know thrashy anime porn going on on that table. <laughs> um, anyway, that was the end of Steve, and I'd got my first loss for the last eight tournament games, <laughs> and I was feeling like, oh no, I'm, I'm on, on the, the plus big side. Your undead did win, though. I'm on the. So... Uh, that's right. And in fact, I said that. And yeah. I'm like, well, at least it's another win for the undead. <laughs> There's always a silver lining when you switch armies, I guess. And that was a 14-7 <laughs> loss, yeah? That uh, that sounds about right. 14-7, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I was slightly ahead on attrition, but it was pretty much dead even. So, yeah, that was a fun game against Steve. Hope to get to play him again sometime in the future. And that brought us to Matt. Matt Curtis and Hugh Evans. So, Matt had also suffered a loss in the first round, and I strongly suspect it's because his army was bent. <laughs> <laughs> and he had to play against his army in the first round, and he did not win. I don't know what he was playing with. I have no idea who he played. But I've spoken with... Empire of Dust. And he played Ken Ferris first up. Ken Ferris, there you go. Okay, so you guys know all, everything that happened. That's good. I'm <laughs> glad you're following so closely at home. So I cross it. Four. He's got two enslaved Guardian Archer hordes. How are you seeing these lists and stuff? Oh, you can- <laughs> Tabletop.to. <laughs> Uh, the yes. Australian Cowmasters. Actually, I think it is worth going through his list because it is it was disgusting. Like it had it had weaknesses, but not against my army. A skeleton warrior horde with fire oil, a revenant cavalry troop, a desert swarm regiment, and then Okay, so that's all the ordinary stuff. Forget about that. And then and two enslaved guardian hordes, uh, one of them with Pathfinder, and then two enslaved guardian archer hordes. Following up with a soul snare that for the war engine, a monolith, uh, the Armonite Pharaoh with the boots of seven leagues, and the idol of Shobik. Yeah, and really, it's the idoc of Shobik, which is oh, the idoc, which is the most <laughs> crazy unit. He's two hundred and ninety points. He's like a super dragon. He's walking, obviously, so he's he's less mobile than a dragon. Like a super giant. Yeah, so I suppose he's more like a super giant, but he hits more like a dragon than like a giant he hits on threes he's got like 10 plus attacks he's crushing three he's he's an absolute monstrosity he's but 290 points the worst bit about him by far is that defense six d6 fearless 20 i want to say fearless 18 and he gives an aura of iron resolve <laughs> and very inspiring and then he's got healing units and life leech so what i was repeatedly finding i would do things like i'd go hit with the catapult do three wounds 
which is two wounds, which is one wound, which is no wounds. <laughs> this yep. was the narrative. It's like I did a yep. few wounds, which means I did nothing. Mm-hmm. And my whole army was – which he really brought this into context, Matt, is making me realize my whole army is grinding. And I've talked a bit in previous games about how I ground through, ground through the goblins, ground through the orcs, whatever. You can't do that with this army. <laughs> you cannot do that with this army. All you'll do is three or four wounds at a time, which is the equivalent of doing zero. So you need to do 10, 15 wounds in one hit. So if he takes your whites off or something, which he, which he eventually did, but not before they took off like two units of guardians. Mm. So they did great as usual. But like if he takes off, say, the whites, my army just does not do anything. <laughs> so, And that's what I found against Mike Crossman when I was playing against him. It's like mm, there's, mm. there's nothing I do. I'm doing three points and then you iron resolving that back and then healing and then, okay, drain life and it's... <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the sort of traditional Empire of Dust, drain life, shoot the crap out of you, and then if you get close, I'll surge in your flanks kind of thing. Mm. Except instead of the usual mummy regiments, he's replaced them with a heap of enslaved guardians and I actually think that they're in some ways better because they, they have a bit more reach out and touch. He can stomp across the board at you if he wants to. Uh, and it's really that eye dock of Shobik that really uh, makes it all tick. But in any case, Matt... I've chatted with a little bit before and met him a bit better the night before. And he's a lovely bloke. He's a very good player and takes very good lists. And just to clarify, IDOC is a spelling mistake. Yeah, but for some reason <laughs> it, it said that on his list. I just thought it was I thought it was a Kings of War name, you know, how they have stupid names right. and everything. <laughs> IDOC, I'm Shovik. Hi, I'm IDOC. IDOC and I come from Shovik. Yeah. <laughs> it is me, IDOC. Yeah. <laughs> but... Uh, it is, to be clear, like before I sound like too much of a whinge bag, uh, which I know <laughs> you, you famously always diss me for, Benson. The, um, <laughs> Not just me, Andrew does it too. Yeah, but he just follows your lead. <laughs> it's a few people. Go for it. Whinge away. He, this, this list does have weaknesses. It's just that my particular list was unable. If I had Chris's undead list, for example, that was way hittier, I think it would have been up for a real fight. But... With this sort of uh, grinding scenario, good luck. Yeah. Anyone can agree that looking at those two lists, you'd have a hard time with that particular scenario mm. to yeah. try and do anything. I suppose my main chance was like if we had a, a objective-heavy scenario and just claim a lot of objectives. But this was, yeah. of course, dominate. So it's get in the middle yeah. and grind. So it didn't, yeah. didn't go super well. Uh, in fact, we both agreed that pretty well my only chance was to spike and roll really well at opportune moments. That didn't happen, which is fine and fair enough, uh, which put me down 20 to 1, which is mm. the worst loss I've had in, in, any, mic, in no, any non-Mike Crossman game for, for quite a long time. <laughs> <laughs> but we don't count those, so that's fine. Full credit to Matt, took me off pretty comfortably. So I'm 0-2, not feeling great. Uh, I'm feeling fine, but you know, still chasing my one win, which was my sort of master's goal I set myself beforehand, <laughs> yeah. which you dissed me for it being a very low rung, Benson, but uh, at this stage it seemed uh, barely attainable. <laughs> and and uh, I headed into the next match. Two more to go. I played my man Paul with Gobbos. Hmm. Paul's a fan of the show, by the way. Lovely bloke. Hi, Paul. He was playing a... A nice goblin list. It had a bit of this and a bit of that. Two luggage gang regiments, two sharp stick hordes, oh, okay. more puffs spread out, a couple of cav regiments. Uh, one of them with the crystal pendant. Yay, good job. <laughs> uh, two troll hordes, more puff launchers, a couple of goblin blasters, and then yeah, 
smattering of heroes. Yes, so um, I probably made my stupidest move of the whole tournament against Paul, uh, which is probably reason enough to deserve to not do particularly well in this game. But I thought my army was reasonably well matched up against his, and I maintain that that it probably was. It, it, I mean, it's either player's game, whoever plays better, I think, but it certainly wasn't a... You know, it wasn't unmatched in in Paul's favour. He went in with his goblin uh, riders early, and I thought, oh well, that wasn't very smart. I'm just going to take this goblins off. So I charged, <laughs> I charged it with my, <laughs> I charged. You it. fell into his trap. Yes, I did. I charged it with my white horde, and my mm, white, and my white king, my oh. revenant king, and my vampire. Oh. I'm like, oh, well, they didn't have anything else to do. They were just like standing around. I'm like, oh, well, I might as well charge it and just, just take it off. That's exactly what he wanted. Make it convincing. And then he's like, yeah, so crystal pendant, um, that'll be <laughs> eight damage on everything. And I'm like, oh, shit. Because he did tell me. And what's worse, this, to my embarrassment, I'm glad this one wasn't on the stream. But I guess we're going to bloody tell the world anyway. But I would have liked to have seen that. Mm-hmm. He had the bloody item card on the unit. Oh, so it's, yeah. there's no excuse. What were you doing? Like it was sort of facing away from me to an extent, but both of the rider units had a item. I can't remember what the other one was. Pathfinder. Okay, Pathfinder. A sensible one. And this one had bloody crystal pendant. And all I needed to do, if, charging with the race, sorry, the whites, the, whichever one they were, the killier ones. <laughs> Damn it, I lost it. I was doing so well. Whites, I think they are. So I could have just charged with them alone, easily killed the riders because they go through most things. It's not very difficult to go through like have. Taken a bunch of damage and then been like, cool, whatever. That's just, you know, cop my lumps. That's what you got to kind of do against the crystal pendant. Mm-hmm. Instead, I charged in with two characters, one of which doesn't even do any damage. <laughs> He's just decided to pop in, in there just, anyway. And just got the hell blown out of me. Um so, yeah, I was immediately on the back foot after that uh, fiasco of a manoeuvre, <laughs> which was made worse by the fact that the other rider unit went straight through one of my uh, Rev Cav troops, which probably mm-hmm. shouldn't do. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I was on the back foot right away. So, I was stomping up the middle and I still felt like I've got this. All I need to do is charge and take off one of the larger goblin units. What are these big goblins called now that are like super goblins? The Luggets. Luggets, yeah. I knew they were really nasty and I pro- sort of wanted to prioritize killing them. So I charged my race in knowing I was sacrificing the poor buggers. And I do mean race this time. Yes, I do. The the, the D6 <laughs> flying guys. So I charged them in. Worse. <laughs> I'm not very good with names. I charged them in and knowing that they were going to die purely to orchestrate this double charge on his luggets, which would then put me in a good position after reforming, la, la, la. So I charge in and I say to Paul in my wisdom, I say... If I fail to break this, I've lost the game. <laughs> uh, that was a mistake. Uh, so it was the Skeleton Horde, Bane Chanted, mm-hmm. and the Zombie Trolls. Mm-hmm. So, And this was an already damaged unit, by the way. It had three or four damage on it from the catapults. So should I be able to do this? I think so. You know, it was a you regiment. Would have thought so. Defense four. Would have thought so. I mean, it's virtually a certain double ones. Anyway, uh, with 48 attacks later, and I got oh, no. f- like three wounds... And didn't even waver it. <laughs> and I was like, oh, shit. Well, they are fearless. Uh, are they fearless? Yep. Doesn't matter. It didn't die. <laughs> That's the point. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, didn't didn't die. Uh, and I'm like, oh, shit. This is, uh, this is going to be GG because it was, it was the equivalent of a double one. It wasn't an actual double one, <laughs> but it might as well. You were wounding on threes and twos. Threes and, threes and twos. Yes, that's right. Um, 
<laughs> it wasn't a good role, let's put it that way. Um, wow. So then that freed up the trolls to come in and get me. I still ground out and then I had another situation against the trolls a little bit later in the game where I needed a admittedly slightly higher but still perfectly sensible role to get them off and get back into the game and fluffed it again. I'm like, shit, this is just not my game. <laughs> and to be fair, it had been quite a lot of games and you'll notice in the other seven or eight or nine, whatever tournament games I'm up to now, I haven't once said that I just die rolled my way out of it. Like as in bad rolls on my part. That's because yeah. I hadn't had any like just disastrous games. So I was probably due one. It's a shame it had to come in the Masters. <laughs> but that's the way it went down. I did feel like I kind of partially deserved it on account of the whole crystal pendant fiasco. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Good start. But I definitely put myself in a position to come back and win that game and uh, failed to. So... Yeah, even after all that, it looked like I might be able to force a draw in the last turn and then we actually got the t- we got time called. We were having issues with our clock, so uh, you should never run out of time and actually missed out on my last turn, um, as right. did Paul. So we had played an even number. But yeah, went down to Paul. Would love to play him again sometime and maybe give him a game in which I don't do as much silly shit. But <laughs> Combo charging the crystal pendant, arguably Choice. Yes. master's worst manoeuvre. Indeed, indeed. That's uh, mm. why they call me the professional. But <laughs> I mean, other than that, I think I played the game okay. But it certainly made Paul's weekend. He thought it was hilarious. And frankly, I saw the funny side after, you know, eventually wiping away my tears and it's not and everything. If you take in the crystal pendant, you're a good guy. Yeah. <laughs> I honestly think I should start putting it in lists. I actually think it could be legit. You can definitely play around it, but it can really screw your day sometimes. Mm. Yeah. I didn't mention that I did get boomwagoned as well. Uh, it wasn't, wasn't really in this game particularly because I just had to end up voiding them like the plague. And I did take one out with a vampire. But I didn't tell you, Benson, earlier because this will just bring warm the cockles of your evil goblin heart. <laughs> but against Drew in the early game, the other player that had taken boom wagons, he just charged the front of my zombie trolls and just took them off. <laughs> With like your 65-point boom wagon, I'm like, yeah, that seems fair, nice. whatever. Yep. I know there's heaps of 65-point unit, 65 units that can do that. Oh, wait, mm-hmm. there is literally none. <laughs> Thank you, <laughs> goblin boom wagon. You bastard. Continue to be the bane of my existence. Anyway, I've got one last game for you, poor listeners, to endure. Oh, wait, wait. So you ended up losing to Paul 15-6. 15-6, yes. I did lose. Yeah. There we go. Very low points, like attrition yes. there. Yes, very low. Very curious. So 605-65. You actually killed more stuff than him in points. Yes, despite the die rolls, despite the crystal pendant, despite all of that, and despite not having a last turn. Yeah, it definitely seems like a game which could have gone differently had we had our time again but you know that's kings of war man and when you charge the crystal pendant you're gonna screw yourself up don't be a dickhead right (laughs) three units (laughs) part of me is glad that like it made a story and it was you know it was one of those moments like it's not like i was in it to win it at this point anyway sheep station was off the table as paul and i were saying so yeah you know whatever all right so last game and i'm in it for dignity at this point i'm like shit i'm zero and three Benson's going to diss me about being the shittest master ever. For- oh, I just, I just would be disappointed. That's all. See already, this is even worse. He's disappointed. Thanks, Dad. <laughs> Thanks. So then I um, was playing against Pete and his dwarfs. Peter Ball. He played a pretty cool dwarf list. Bit of this, bit of that. Do you want, do you want to go through it, Benson? <laughs> I've said yeah. that about every list for some reason. <laughs> yeah, Ball Walkers, 
regiments of shield breakers, uh, one unit of regiment of brock riders, some mastiff hunting packs, two hordes of elementals, the earth elementals, and uh, what did you say? A smattering of, of heroes. You got your berserker lord with beast slayer, dwarf lord, yeah. and large beast, and then two steel juggernauts. Mm. Yeah, they're they're interesting. Um, and those brock riders have the brutal sharpness. Yeah. yeah. They're pretty good, the Steve Juggernauts. So defense 6. The yeah. two Steel Juggernauts and the two Earth Elemental Hordes are all Defense 6. And the Steel Juggernauts put out a decent little bit of shooting, actually, mm. as well as being okay in combat. Mm. I, I wasn't sure what to make of them as a unit, whether I thought they were good or not. But I'd definitely like to see them in more games. Certainly, it was pretty scary. A couple of times, they... Because they got good range. They, like, went into... They, one, at one stage, you went into my catapults with one of them. And I'm like, man, that should really take a catapult off in, like, one one shoot pretty easily you know with roughly average dice mm. he didn't though yeah fluffed the roll on that particular shot but i thought oh that's a pretty interesting <laughs> unit it's not one that you used to see i don't know if it even existed in second ed did it or i certainly i never saw it yeah it did yep it did juggernauts from vanguard oh okay okay right i'm with you yeah i think i've actually played against that before but it wasn't the same figure so i didn't recognize that it was the same unit yeah and because it's a new unit just for anyone else who's still not keen on dwarves the juggernaut's a large infantry hero mm. defense six like you were saying Hugh melee three range five with mm. hand cannon it's just 24 inch piercing two steady aim so he's got five shots on that thing mm. it's pretty good mm. you should get a couple of hits piercing two reliably at 24 inch range it seems like the kind of thing that should have a shorter range but it's actually packs a bit of a wallop from range mm. as they walk around and they can charge things in the flanks and do decent attacks and stuff. Mm. So yeah, they seem solid, but the Dwarf Lord on Large Beast, he's a terror. My God. He's always been, yeah. 200 points. Yeah, he's a he's an absolute terror in the night. But the, I got got in this game reading through Pete's list and in fact, I have a feeling he got got at some point as well because <laughs> oh. this this was the problem with the... We, we were all using Battlescribe Battlescribe had updated for third edition. It might be the only army builder out there that has done it so far. Certainly, Easy Army wasn't ready yet. Well, there's Good Army List, I think it's called. It's another one. Good Army yeah, List good is ready, is it now? Yeah, yeah yep. cool. So, we had this third edition list that was from from Battlescribe. And in fact, Peter had given me, or he later on in the game, gave me his sort of hand-typed list that had all the details mm. on it. But the problem with the Battlescribe one is that they're, I think they're not allowed to or they perhaps chose not to to get it out quicker, whatever the reason, to put all the rules and stuff on the units yet. So it's like a mm-hmm. it's like a dumbed-down version. So I'll give you an example, and this is the example that mattered. Stone Priest, Bane Chant. Mm-hmm. That's it. Doesn't say... He also has Surge, by the way, but it doesn't say that. He comes right, with Surge. So it's just the option that he's taking. Yeah, exactly. It's yeah. the upgrade that it says, but not anything else he has. So he's probably got a few other special rules. Like he's yep. got something or other that helps him. So he can basically surge something and Bane Chant it in the same turn. Yeah, that's his Stone Shaper's ability. Yeah, yeah. So he's got a few things, but you read through the list and you go, oh yeah, just got Bane Chant. Cool. So then I charge his bloody Earth Elemental in the front and then the other one hmm. surges him in. He goes, all right, I'm going to turn this and surge it. I'm like, sorry, you don't have surge, man. It's not in the list. And he's like, Oh, no, I do. It's just not on the list. And then he gives me the other it list. It doesn't appear on Battlescribe. It's not mm. his fault at all. Like, it's just absolutely the way that Battlescribe did it. And this is the only time over the course of the weekend that I'd come across this. I think, <laughs> to be honest, the reason that it happened is partially because I was tired. It was late in the day. We all were a bit in that way in the fourth game mm. of the Masters. Like, this is, our, exhausted. this is the eighth game of the weekend. Like, brains starting to ooze out the ears. But also... I was so like, I wanted to win this game more than any other game because <laughs> I really didn't want to like, I didn't want to just cop the wooden spoon at the Masters. 
no matter what it takes, you're going to win. That's right. I knew you'd be too disappointed in me, Benson. So, <laughs> so I'm like, I actually read his list really carefully for once. I'm like, I've played Dwarves yep. a few times before. I kind of know what the different units are, although I didn't know what the Steel Juggernaut did. Mm. So, I read it carefully. I'm like, cool. That's what he's got. Well, as I probably didn't look that carefully at any of the other regiments, if that makes sense, like in other games. Mm-hmm. So, this was the one game where I actually look at it carefully and it bites me in the ass. Anyway, that was at such a minor point in the game. I know I was banging on about that, but I just wanted to make listeners aware of the situation with the Battle Scribe at the minute and to watch out for it. But similarly, uh, Pete got got later on in the game when my whites like charged over one of his units to hit one of his units on the hill. And he's like, oh, I thought they were a cavalry unit. And I'm like, no, man, they're... They're whites. Like I did tell him at the start and I mm. told him as they moved and they moved seven and they sort of flew, but you can't necessarily tell that they're flying unless they get in a flying situation. Because the models yeah. that you're using are the G-Dub Demigriffs? Is that yeah, right? the Demigriffs. So they do look a bit cavalry-ish and I actually think I might convert them into Soul Reaver Cav instead just for that reason. Mm-hmm. That there's a few yeah. people that kind of thought they were cavalry, even though they're on a large infantry size base and they're kind of, mm. I tried to make them look certainly I envisioned them being a bit more floaty if that makes sense but um, it didn't really work out that well that way because I ran out of time and the basing doesn't look that floaty I think it's fair to say so I think absolutely Pete was again in the right there although I had said it you know we're both getting tired over the course of the weekend yeah yeah but apart from those two minor hiccups uh, this game went pretty much to the book for me uh, although again i have to admit that i also charged the vampire lord in to his berserker lord and then forgot to attack in the first oh, turn i just charged in and went through and these kinds of things happen perhaps a little more in games like the masters than in other games because they're pretty strict with the rules and and you would have had a bit more of a favorable light on duelist then yes in fact this was my only the second time <laughs> over the whole weekend where i had a chance to use duelist and in fact, the Vampire Lord then ended up going down because he got hit first oh. and then he got he got one attack in, but then he got hit back, you know, like, so if he did, did his attacks, he would have won that duel, but because he didn't do his attacks, he didn't, he didn't win the duel. <laughs> and I didn't remember till halfway through the next turn, so it's not like it was any going backsies at that stage. Hmm. So, yeah, anyway, apart from that, one, the, well, the two mistakes, I guess, the Surgeon of Flank <laughs> and the Forget Vampire attacks, one of which was a little stupider than the other. <laughs> I think outside of that, I played a pretty tight game and I'm not that surprised. In fact, that's it. That's enough to lose a Masters game, those two mistakes under normal circumstances. And I probably made those two mistakes were a bit more significant than some others I made over the course of the weekend. I I definitely played better the day before than I did on the Masters day. And I wonder if that was just fatigue or any other reason. Yeah, when you were more fresh. Mm. But um, still won that game pretty comfortably in the end and <laughs> managed to retain my dignity. I wandered over yeah, the line. 18-3 win yeah, for you. That the one. Whites took Ooh, everything off in that game. They took, off, they took off about three quarters of his army, just unit after unit after unit, just went through them like a hot knife through butter. Uh, and mm. I, I was able to, you know, he, he was dwarfs and I was able to outmaneuver him pretty easily. I fed him a couple mm. of troops of Rev Cav, which held up like his whole center for quite a while and stuff like that so it, it felt pretty comfortable my my infantry wandered around the flanks while my big fighter units did all the fighting and it never i never really felt like i was going to lose that one but i was still shit scared that i was going to especially after i fluffed my vampire lord attacks in the first turn i'm like oh no i'm getting the spoon i can see it now <laughs> um but yeah yeah that that final round was a brutal one across the the six whole games there so 
the end results, obviously, you got an 18-3 win. Mm-hmm. Uh, then there was a 16-5, a 21-zip, a 21, an 18-3, and a 15-6. So that really ended up uh, influencing the ladder quite heavily that one round. And yeah. two really close games. Playing on table one was Matt with the uh, with the nasty Empire of Dust list and Tracy, mm. um, who we haven't mentioned so far. Now, listeners of this show will be familiar with Tracy, best player in the world. Mm-hmm. You know, proven. Yep. Uh, and certainly he was both top seed by everyone that read the players pack or really knew at all what they were talking about. He's entered five tournaments this year, I think, maybe six, including that international one, and he's won every single one of them. It's not like he's podium. He's literally won, and usually comfortably. <laughs> so, like, there was no real contest here. But actually, Andrew Goodman went in as number one on the rankings, as it turns out. Yeah. yeah. And he came in at number two in the uh, in Yeah, the he event. came second. So, yeah. pretty predictable the first two, anyway. Yeah, six points lower in uh, tournament points there. So, the top three, uh, Jeffrey Trace, uh, Andrew Goodman, and Ken Ferris. So, yep. with their Triton Realms, Bissell Dwarves, and uh, Undead. Yeah, comfortably uh, won. And you ended up coming ninth, Hugh. I did come ninth, yeah. So Which is a pretty good result for one win. Yeah, not, not too shabby. Not last. It was definitely, <laughs> a, not, definitely a non-last position, yep. which I was... A couple of steps from last. Happy with by the end of the mm, event. Which is good. And I achieved my goal of winning one game, <laughs> uh, which may not seem like such a lofty game, but man, it was a tough field, just as you would imagine. Congratulations. So, you know. Yeah. Well done. That's it. Yeah, anyway, I've talked myself stupid. You guys talk about something. Nah. Nah, we're good. <laughs> <laughs> I feel used. My voice is so sorry. <laughs> Now, it must be said, Hugh, making all of the effort to go up there, it would have been extremely easy for you to say, oh, no rats, I'm not going. Mm. Yep. But you didn't. You sort of went, no, nah, I've got the invite. I'm going to whip up an army over the next couple of months or weeks. Represent. Like, represent our group uh, and obviously fly all the way up there as well. It's not a, an easy place to get to for us. Mm-hmm. And to go in there and come ninth out of in that field, with the best player in the world as well in there. So, uh, <laughs> no, you've done a great job, mate, and I think it's... Thanks, fellas. Appreciate the support. Who I didn't uh, yeah. didn't get to play, Tracy, obviously, if anyone didn't, you know, anyone fell asleep during all my, uh, you know, <laughs> tournament report there. I didn't actually get to play against him, but would like to sometime soon. I talked to him at the start of the week. Oh, he was on the good side, of course, as well, for the good versus mm. evil battles. So... I wasn't. I was never going to play him in that, up, yeah. that, that event either. So no. I still never played the. Jeff's all over UB if you ever want it. So uh, he loves his uni- UB. I feel pretty confident he would have ripped me a new asshole, even if uh, you know, irrespective of what list he was playing. He played Trident Realms. I don't know if we, you mentioned that, Matt. Yeah, yeah. But yep. Um, it was a pretty, pretty cool Trident Realms list that anyone that has access to Tabletop TO and wants to look at the Australian Masters. Yeah, his list is one of the few that isn't on there. Uh, then yeah. You can uh, suffer any jocks because there's no list there, I guess. No, that's okay. If you do want to have a look at it, jump onto Twitter. Um, I think it's about two tweets back for uh, Direct Misfire. Um, we've got all of the lists on there. Oh, cool. Do you? Awesome. There you go. A nice link. Yeah. Very nice. We'll probably Very chuck nice. that up on Facebook as well. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. good times had by all. Well done, Tracy, the master again. Well done, Hugh, for not coming well last. Well done for me for not coming last, you know. Almost as good an achievement, I guess. It's, a, it's something. Yeah. Yeah. All right. We will leave it there and we'll probably speak to you again, listeners, by the end of the year. I'd like to have another one out 
before we shoot off to 2020 for another year of Kings of War. Yes. Yep. If you want to get in touch with us, just jump on uh, Facebook or Twitter and we'll get back to you if you've got any questions or comments. Just let us know. Probably right around the time that you're listening to this, uh, Ratkin Empires has likely to have been released. Mm. It's already on its way. I'm sure you're all uh, looking forward to reading that if you haven't already because I sure as hell am. Oh yeah, so much material. Ratkin slaves, we can get our abyssal dwarf Ratkin duo on. Mm-hmm. Oh <laughs> yeah, create a doubles event. I think there's two Ratkin master lists in there actually, and then a whole bunch of theme lists for other nonsense. Uh huh. Sure. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's get out of here. Thanks for listening, everyone. We'll speak to you soon. Thanks, guys. Yeah, directness, fire blowing up the game. Talking many war games is our aim. Rule books to advice, we cover it all. With the best tactics, we never fall. Bend some spoon and sell liquor in the mix. Math hammer doesn't work, it's a trick. Follow along, stay up to date. Comment, like, subscribe today. Come check us out on Facebook and Twitter at Direct Misfire. If you want to shoot us an email, directmisfire at gmail.com. Oh, I'm talking myself. So this is just the bloody Hugo's the Masters cast, isn't it? <laughs> pretty, much. <laughs> pretty much. Pretty <laughs> much.